Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Oh My Pod. This is a podcast covering a variety of topics, whether that is beauty, travel, financial planning, colonics. I've covered quite a few different things, and that's hopefully to make you say, oh my God, I had no idea about that. So I had a really great response from a solo podcast I did about a month ago now on travel tips. And I figured, why not do a follow-up because of all the feedback I got and all the questions and get a bit deeper into some of the insight that I have from traveling. So as I said in my first solo travel podcast, I am not a travel agent, so this is all on personal experience, um, but I do travel quite a bit. I, I always have the travel bug. I'm always like looking for a flight and the best deal. Um, I'm not going to lie, guys. I'm, I'm kind of cheap when it comes to everything in my life, so I do try to look for the best deals, but at the same time, to me, travel is one of those things that you can never really experience um, if you don't put the time and effort into planning a trip and also just something that you can't replicate. So I tend to splurge on things that I want to splurge on with travel. So if I'm going to save on the flight, maybe I'll have a really nice steak dinner when I land, or maybe I'll stay at a really, really cool Airbnb, but take a really, really cheap airline to get there that's maybe costing more in baggage fees. So it balances out, but this is something that I do make a priority. So um, again, and I'll, I'll give tips on cheap ways to get around, some other really cool sites that um, do group travel. So with that, let's just dive right in. Oh, and one note that I had is if you guys could rate, review, and subscribe, that would be amazing. That would make my entire year. Not only does it help with visibility, but if you're really enjoying it, it will pop up for the first thing when you open your podcast app. I know not everyone has iTunes, but this is true for any type of um, rating system and charts. Obviously, with everyone putting out content, what helps me get more visibility is rating, reviewing, or subscribing. So it's hopefully to help you find this podcast easier as well. If not, it gets buried and it doesn't show up in charts. It doesn't really show up well in search. So honestly, uh, I heard another pod, excuse me, podcast host say it's a form of payment. So you can consider it that instead of actually paying for me or hearing advertisements or anything, a rating, a review, a subscribe, that would be amazing. So with that, now I will jump in to my travel tips part two. So one of the questions I had was around taking your credit card or debit card or bringing cash. So this definitely varies by where you go. Within the United States, I never really carry cash because everywhere in the United States takes cards. And so for me, I'll just have my credit card or my debit card. However, when you go abroad, if you do not have a travel card that ch doesn't charge you for foreign fees, then you're in trouble because you're going to get a foreign transaction fee on every single purchase. Even if you book something in the United States and the um, venue is abroad, you'll actually get charged. So what I mean by that is I just made this mistake last summer. I went to Greece and I bought a concert ticket that was in Greece and I bought it in the U.S. and I used my U.S. credit card. And it actually charged me a foreign transaction fee. And it wasn't because the IP address was in the U.S. It was because I was using my U.S. debit card. So I should have used my Capital One travel card, which is the Venture one. 
there's quite a few that you guys can probably check out on the points guy. That's someone that I recommended in my first travel podcast. He's great for figuring out which credit cards have the best, um, you know, airline points and loyalty uh, rewards programs. But I, again, just learned, oh, wow, because the venue was in Greece and I used my American debit card it was charging me a foreign transaction fee. So you always want to make sure before you go abroad that either A, you have that a travel card that, again, doesn't charge for fees, or you let your bank know that you're bringing your debit card. If you get abroad and you don't let your bank know that you have your debit card, they will actually shut it off. And then you can't even use ATMs or anything over there. So take my word for this. You do not want to get abroad and have no way of getting anywhere with no money. So make sure you alert your bank and tell them when you're leaving and the exact date you're going and where you're traveling so that um, you know, if you're doing some Euro trip and you're going to five countries, they know that and they know it's not fraud. So that's a few tips around cash, excuse me, cash or card. But also cash is different per country, right? So if you go to London, you're going to be using pounds. If you go to Budapest, you're going to be using crowns, I think it is. Um, there's so many different forms of currency. So you definitely want to check on currency before you travel. Um, I think a common mistake is people think, oh, you can just use dollars or euros everywhere just because of the name Europe. Um, no, every single country might have their own currency or might prefer one or the other. So you want to do your research. Um, there's always forums and groups of people that will help out online. And honestly, I feel like if you post a Facebook status, people are really helpful too. Um, but you always, again, want to make sure you have the currency of that country just in case, because there are some places that don't take cards or are a lot stricter with cards. And honestly, when you're traveling, um, like, through a bus or a cab or any type of system, train, they usually want cash. So you just want to make sure you have that on you. The other note is that um, with cards, some places are really strict where they actually require you that you have the signature on the back of your card and your ID. And, you know, sometimes when you're traveling, you either don't have that or you left everything in your locker at the hostel or in your hotel. So again, it's just nice to take some cash. I would caveat that with you don't want to be walking around with loads of cash. With every new country comes new territory. You never know who's around, especially um, being a tourist. I feel like people can kind of sense that you're new. And, you know, if there's any thieves around or people that are a little sketchy, they're going to be looking out for you. They can sense that new tourism vibe, excuse me, new tourist vibe. So um, you just want to be careful. I wouldn't carry more than like $100 in cash of whatever currency of the country is that you're going. Um, I've had a few friends this happened when I studied abroad in Spain about five years ago now, yikes, um, that they got cash stolen. So there's a lot of pickpockets around in different countries, but it's like any city you go to. You know, you could say the same thing about Chicago, where I live. You go down a wrong street and people can sense that and they will go after you. So I would just make sure you're not carrying a lot of cash. And if you are, make sure you have a lock or a you know purse that zips up really tight, wear it crossbody. You just want to be aware of your surroundings. So those are probably my main tips around the cash or card situation. My next tip would be around getting to different countries when you are abroad. So a lot of times in the United States, we have major airlines. You know, we have American Airlines, we have Delta, we have Southwest, you have JetBlue. 
in Europe, I'm speaking specifically to Europe because that's where I have the most experience. Um, they have Ryanair, EasyJet. I've heard of other ones. I think Tiger Air might be one of them. But these are like, I would probably compare it to the spirits of the United States or the frontiers. So when you get on these, they're not luxurious and spacious and leg room and drinks and snacks. These are literally to get you from point A to B. The reason I'm recommending these is because they are so, so cheap. I think I got from Spain to Paris for 40 euros, which is probably like 50 or 60 US dollars. Um, you know, to me, that's that's like a weekend out in Chicago at brunch. So to get to uh, Spain to Paris, two different countries on one flight, that was obviously why I would recommend those different airlines. The issue with them is kind of similar to like the Spirits and Frontiers here is the way they make their money is they start charging for everything. So they're going to charge you for an extra bag or if you brought one that's too big, if you didn't print your boarding pass, they will actually charge you when you get to the front desk or reception that they will say, well, we said in the ticket that you had to print it out. So now that we have to print it out, we are going to charge you. Trust me when I say this happens. This happened to my friend. She was like, well, they're not going to charge me. I think that's just, you know, a note that they have to put on the ticket. We got to the airport and lo and behold, she got charged quite a hefty fee just for printing her boarding pass. So with those, it's just be smart and read the directions. When they give you directions, it's so you can follow them. So it's not as lax as the United States where, you know, oh, it's a pound or two over. We'll let it slide or yeah, no problem. We'll print that out. No, they are very strict. But if you just follow the rules, like I said, you can get from point A to B for $50. So just check those out. Make sure you, you know, you do read those guidelines before you get on. Um, but those are a really nice way to get around once you're over there. That's why people do those Euro trips. I, I think there's a common misconception like, how are people going from country to country? They must have saved $10,000. Actually, no, is probably... $200 to get to five different countries. So um, a really nice and seamless way to jump around. Another thing I want to talk about is group travel. There's a ton of ways to meet people. So this is true for both the United States and going abroad. There are so many different group travel sites that are purely made so that you can meet people. So I would do some Googling, see what might work for you. Um, you know, I'm a person that I like to go out. I like to eat. I don't mind staying up late and watching the sunrise where there's other people that are going just to see the history and they want to use their days to do walking tours and see museums. So you definitely want to do that research up front to say, well, what vibe am I going for? You know, I don't want to be stuck in something that I don't want to be doing. So some of the ones I recommend are Contiki. That's C-O-N-T-I-K-I. They have a really awesome site because they actually have pre-decided... I don't even know if that's a word. <laughs> um, they have determined paths already. So you can actually pick what path you want to go on. So you can say, oh, I'm looking for you know, a seven day trip or maybe a quick four day trip, a two week trip. Maybe I have all this time off between starting a new job or you just graduated or you have a gap year. Um, it's specifically made for 18 to 35 year olds. So that's really nice because they cater to millennials. So you are with people your age that usually probably, you know, have the same interests as you. Um, and then again, you just pick which route you want to go on. So they have like exotic trips. They have 
you know, the typical Euro trip, um, the independent insider route. So if you're solo, I like I said, I just did not not like I said in podcast one about travel tips. I did a solo trip. And it, um, if I didn't have friends where I was going, I probably would have done something like this so I could meet people. Um, you know, another great way, like I said before, is in hostels. But that's something that if you're not doing a hostel, you're staying alone in a hotel um, or you just genuinely want to meet people right off the bat. Contiki is a great site to do that um, with. They also uh, plan the whole thing. So it's not just giving you the routes and saying, oh, yeah, we're going to do, you know, Barcelona and London. It's actually saying we're going to stay this many nights in London. We're going to stay this many nights in Barcelona. Here's the itinerary. We're getting from point A to B this way. So they pretty much plan everything for you and you just show up. So that's really nice if you don't want to do a ton of planning. And of course, there are other people that want to do their own thing and maybe just hop on a, like a festival group. So what I mean by that is like you guys know there are a ton of festivals everywhere. I mean, even in Chicago, there's probably five festivals every day in summer. But in Europe, it is the same thing with these huge festivals. There's like La Tomatia in Spain, Las Vallas. Um, there's Running of the Bulls in Pamplona. I'm speaking specifically to Spain because I went to a lot of these. Um, you know, Oktoberfest in Germany. These are huge, huge festivals that everyone wants to go to. And there's actually different groups that have made um, group travel around these festivals. And one of those is Stoke Travel. And that's S-T-O-K-E. They are really awesome. They're a group of young people really just looking to make a great time and memories for other young people. Um, I did a trip with them to, trying to think of it, I think it was San Sebastian in Spain. And we camped on top of this gorgeous, gorgeous hill um, right above a beach in tents. And then we had free beer and wine all night. They gave us a breakfast recommendation that was like right down the end of the hill. And then they had surfing lessons during the day. And then at night they had a bonfire. So it was a really like chill beach surf trip. But then they do that same exact thing again for those huge festivals like Oktoberfest or the La Tomatia. Um, they plan around these festivals. So that you can go with a group of people because they are pretty crazy festivals and it's really fun to meet a group to go with so you can all band together, eat together, sleep together, go out together, you know, whatever the case is. Um, they're really great at planning that. So that's one I would highly recommend. I just saw one too called True Travels. That's T-R-U travels and I think that's in Thailand and so they do group travel um, specifically planned around there so again these are just some that I've heard of or had experience with but I'm sure there's a few more that I haven't even touched on um, but it is a great way to meet people especially if you're looking to do solo travel I would probably do like a few days solo and then you know jump on something like Stoke Travel and do a festival on the weekend that would be a really nice way to make some new friends Another topic I want to cover on is getting around. So it is unexpected when you think you know something by Google Maps and you're like, oh, this looks like a short distance. Um, 
I don't know. Maybe this is just my problem because I'm horrible with directions, but I cannot read an actual paper map. I definitely need technology. However, if you're, you know, on an island or a place where you're not getting Wi-Fi or you didn't have the data plan or whatever the case is, or you don't have technology, you're going to need to know how to get around. So I actually truly believe if I wasn't with a group in Greece this summer, I have no idea how I would have gotten around that island because A, there's no Uber. Yes, guys, that's a that's a major news flash. Uber does not exist everywhere. The no Uber Lyft. They said there were less than twenty taxis, I believe, on the entire island. This is um in Mykonos, I believe. So no Ubers, less than twenty taxis. They only run at certain times, and they don't. Um, they're not running, you know, constantly back and forth to the same place. The island is is quite big for a taxi to get around. So you need to know either a the area that you're in. Definitely know your cross streets. You know, look around. Where's your Airbnb? Where's your hotel? Or pick a landmark. So this was huge for me when I studied abroad in Spain. We lived right by this um, huge monument called the um, Torres de Serrano, I think. Of course, now I can't even remember it. Five years ago, guys. But you want to pick a landmark. So if you do get in a taxi or ask a local, and especially if there's a language barrier, if you throw out that monument, usually people can figure it out. I mean, I'm trying to relate it to Chicago. Like, again, I'm actually pretty horrible with directions for as much as I travel. But if someone told me, hey, my Airbnb is by Wrigley Field. Oh, OK, well, I know where to point them. Or it's right on Lakeshore and it's on this cross street. Oh, okay, well, I know where that is. I've lived there for four years. Um, Same thing with locals and people over in different countries. If you pick a landmark or at least know your cross streets, you can usually find your way back. Of course, the smartest thing would be to write the address down in your phone in a note. Um, Again, so if you don't have data or anything, you at least have it and you can show it directly to a cab driver. Uh, That's probably the smartest thing to do. But again, if you just can't remember, I would 100% pick a a landmark or something that you recognize, especially when you go out too. You want to remember what you're by. So that is just one um, way to do that. But then also figuring out the public transit system. So a lot of countries have a really, really awesome public transit. I would say most countries I've been to, I'm using the bus or train system. Um, London has the tube. Prague has trolleys. Um, I'm trying to think where else. Berlin, we use buses. It's pretty easy to get around, and Google Maps makes it so easy because you literally pick point A, plug in point B, and then it shows you the directions. And I'm not saying shows you directions of a GPS, like, hey, walk right, turn left, go straight. It actually will say, oh, you're taking the the tube. Here's where you get on. It's this station, King's Cross. And then it will have, oh, five stops. And if you're confused, well, oh, my gosh, five stops. Do I have to count out loud? Do I have to remember? No, you just look at the Google Maps and it will tell you exactly what stop to get off at. And then it will even show you when you get off that stop where to walk. So I didn't use Google Maps until I moved to Chicago. And I truly thought it was just a GPS system that talked out loud to you like when in your car. But it is awesome for getting around. Um, The issue, again, with no data is that if you're not by Wi-Fi or again, or you don't have the plan, 
and you didn't realize, oh, wow, I can't pull it up when I actually get into this country, screenshot everything. I, I mean, I screenshot now just because I don't want to go over my data plan ever, but I would highly, highly recommend that you screenshot your directions and always know where you're going, the final destination, because again, if you show it to a local or even other tourists, they can help you out. People are really willing to help out, especially if you, you know, you've done some research and said, hey, I, I think my hotel's over here. I'm not really sure. Um, I know my Airbnb is by this. People are definitely willing to help out. But public transit is an awesome way to get around. And it's also cheap. Um, usually, I, I think it's probably two to three bucks a ride. You can get day passes. You can get weekend passes. Um, and then you just keep it on you. And that saves you a ton on taxis because... Again, it's it's a quick trip and usually it's faster because you're going underground. You know, they have special pathways for buses and it's nice because you kind of get to see the city a bit differently, too. Um, I did take a scenic train when I was in London, both to Brighton and Manchester, and I actually I really loved it. I, it was about two hours, um, both of those trips, and I would just sit there and look out the window and I'm like, wow, this is a really great way to see the rest of the country versus just flying from point A to B and sleeping the whole time, which is what I usually do, um, or you're up in the air and all you see is the clouds. So it's a nice way to, to relax and, and sit back. Trains um, in certain countries are actually really luxurious, too. You get your own cart. They have food. They have drinks. It's spacious. You get all this legroom. So always check out public transit. And of course, I mean, I'm going to keep hammering this home. Just Google it. I can't get over how easy it is to Google things and how much information you can find by just doing a pub, um, excuse me, doing a, a quick Google search. So check on public transit. Um, of course, this isn't applicable to every single country. Um, I'm just speaking in, in general terms, but public transit is usually a great way to get around. Um, but again, sometimes there might be Ubers and it's just easier based on the language barrier because you just have to plug in your address. So um, just do your research and check it out. For actually seeing different places, there are a lot of cheap walking tours and they actually take you to really cool areas. So I was very against walking tours when I first started traveling. I was like, that sounds boring. I don't get it. Are we just walking along a sidewalk and looking on the outsides of buildings? Um, you know, if that's your perspective, that's what you're going to basically see when you actually go on a walking tour. If you're going to have a bad attitude about it, that's probably what it's going to end up turning out to be a bad experience. But when I went on my first walking tour, I was in shock. We walked so much. We stopped for lunch. We got to see a few different places in uh, the city. And then the walking um, tour guides are extremely knowledgeable. They're also pretty funny. I feel like that's a requirement for them is being entertaining. So you learn a lot about the city without doing it on your own. Um, so for me uh, personally, like I, I don't really know what to look for. You know, I'm like, well, I know the, what the city is known for there's that one monument but what about the backstory what about the history um i don't want to really go to a museum and, and listen to headphones and walk around and try to do it myself and walking tours are usually a, a great workaround for that because you actually get to go around walk with someone that knows the area see the places and then ask them questions in live time so 
I'm talking about a museum because I actually have done that before where you plug in headphones and you walk around. It's definitely nice to learn that way, but you can't ask questions. It's not interactive. With the walking tour, you get a whole group. You get to ask questions. People are usually thinking the same thing as you, so they'll have the same questions. And there's a lot you can learn. The best thing about them is usually if you're staying at like a hotel or Airbnb, it comes free with your stay. This is also true for hostels. A few walking tours that I went on, they had a free um, free tour every morning at 9 a.m. with the hostel. So always check on those and not just walking tours, but other things. Um, you know, a lot of these hotels or lodging places like Airbnbs or um hostels, they want you to come back. You know, they want you to be loyal and recommend them over and over. So outside of walking tours, they'll usually provide other fun entertainment like trivia or a comedy show or a bar crawl or a social. Whatever the case is, they want that community built up so they will do more than just walking tours in the morning. So always check downstairs, you know, what's going on today? They're they're more than happy to give you recommendations. So that's a great way to not only see the city, but meet people. Um, planning trips. Uh, I feel like I could talk about this all day because I, I've changed kind of how I plan my trips. I used to want to plan everything down to the hour, like where we were eating lunch, where we were going that night, what show I wanted to see, what bars and clubs were cool, you know, where I wanted to eat the next morning to breakfast. I mean, I used to get pretty crazy with planning, but I feel like as I've gone older, I like to see where the day takes me. I feel like um, in Spain, they are such a lax country that it really is go with the flow. And that's something I learned is like, just sit and enjoy the presence of of other people, your environment, where you are. Um, I mean, the country has nap time. If that's not the most lax thing I've ever heard, I have no idea what is. But we would just sit and sit at dinner on a patio for four hours. I'm not even making this up. Drinking wine, eating, just truly laughing and enjoying each other's company. And I think from that experience, I I realized, why do I need to plan everything down to the minute if I'm enjoying, you know, a four hour dinner with people that I actually care about? There's no need to run to the next place because this is fun in, in and of itself. So as I've gotten older, I definitely have an idea of what I want to do when I go to different countries. You know, I think some of the main attractions for me are food. I love to try the cuisine in different places. Um, also, any type of like cool bar or restaurant. A lot of these places are known for like unique underground speakeasies or like a five-story club or something with a magic show. I mean, I could go on and on about all the different things I've seen in not only different cities in the U.S., but different countries. So always just look up what you want to want to um, experience when you're over there. But I would say sites to do this are probably A, Instagram. I know that sounds crazy, but a lot of my travel inspiration comes from things I've seen on Instagram. I've not only follow a bunch of travel influencers, but now Instagram has that hashtag follow. So I follow different hashtags that I know travel influencers use that will now populate in my feed. And so I get a lot of inspiration 
it doesn't always even have to be like a specific restaurant. It could just be a cool city that not a lot of people have heard about. And I'm like, wow, that, that looks really pretty. I've never seen that or heard of that. Let me save that. Again, Instagram has a save to collection feature. So I do get a lot of inspiration for planning on Instagram. Pinterest is obviously a big one. Um, I, I think Pinterest has a lot of inspiration, but also you can go down a deep, dark hole on Pinterest where you want to eat, what you want to do, top bars, the culture. There's a lot you can learn on Pinterest. I love exploring Pinterest before I go on a trip. Um, and then, of course, you can make a board and pin. So not only can you pin uh, where you're going and what you want to do, but maybe you plan your outfits. I mean, it's fun to plan for a vacation on Pinterest. So social platforms, I use those. And then Lonely Planet is a really good one. They have a lot of information on different types of travelers. So what I mean by that is like backpacking. If you like backpacking, you probably are different than someone that wants to surf or maybe there's someone that wants to purely go out and party. Um, There's different segments on that site for different types of travelers. So Lonely Planet is really good for planning a trip as well. And then, of course, asking around. I mean, a lot of trips that I go on, I've been to those places because I've seen someone do it before and they can give me recommendations. Um, I think TripAdvisor, in my personal opinion, is a bit outdated. It's a lot of people... Um, it's a old information. I feel like every time I look on there, it's it's kind of old posts. But I feel like people are keeping it really general. I want to know like the nitty gritty. I want to know who's the local at the bar that I can sit down with and hear his story, or what's that cool bar on the river that you know you get free sangria after nine p.m. Like those are the things I want to know. And so those are things usually your friends can tell you. I actually recommend posting on Facebook before you go on a trip because you. You'll hear from people you might not even realize have been to a place, and more often than not, they will give you tips around where you're going. Um, something that's been actually really helpful for me, too, is podcast groups. So podcasts, a lot of them that I listen to have Facebook groups or business pages for um, their fans, and I'll post in them and say, hey, I'm heading to... London, um, like I said, I just did that trip. Where should I go? And people will blow that post up, recommendations, drinks you need to try, tea time, you know, anything you can think of. People are really helpful with that. Um, And this, again, doesn't apply to just going abroad. I mean, I just had a friend that was planning an entire 10-day trip to San Francisco. She posted in one of these groups and said, hey, girls, I know some of you live in San Francisco. Just looking for a few food and drink recommendations. And I swear, like, 60 people commented. And now, instead of having to go on Google and plan this whole trip out by herself, she was actually able to just use that post and say, wow, okay, this makes sense. And what's cool and kind of creepy that Facebook does is it will populate if it sees that you're asking for a recommendation and people are giving those answers, it will populate a link to those answers. So what I mean by that is I'll use my friend as the example. Hey, going to San Francisco, um, looking for a few cool breweries. People are commenting breweries and then the Facebook algorithm would actually see again that it was a recommendation and it would pull up that brewery's link to their site and rating. And so my friend could easily scroll through the comments and see, oh cool, this one has three stars and it's really like more of a backyard home style place where, oh okay I see this one's downtown. She was able to make her own assessment just from people's recommendations and comments and from people that live there. So it's always nice to get not only a local perspective but people that have maybe just done the trip. 
trip. So social media, honestly, is a way to plan your trip. Um, again, getting recommendations, getting local opinions. And then there are a few sites, but again, in my personal opinion, I don't love TripAdvisor, but I think Lonely Planet's a good one. Those other ones that I mentioned before, too, for just solo travel or group travel, they also have great recommendations on on how to plan your trip or what to look for. So the Stoke Travel, Contiki, etc., they're really great for, um, again, just seeing what's in those countries because... You always hear the main attractions, the main monuments, the the tourist bars. But after a few days, the touristy stuff is going to get old. Um, you're probably going to want to do something a bit different and out of the box. So I would recommend those sites. And again, just posting on social media. I touched on this in my first podcast about travel tips, but I cannot recommend enough TSA or Global Entry. You save so much time by getting these, and it's cheap for what it is. So anytime you go to the airport, you know how annoying it is to take off your shoes, take off your belt, take off your earrings, take your watch off. And for some reason, I feel like they're always in a bad mood. I mean, don't you guys feel that way? I feel like TSA is always trying me. They always have an attitude. And so that's why I got pre-check. I don't have to deal with anyone. I just literally take my bag, put it on the belt, walk through, done. It's easy breezy. As soon as I walk into an airport, I honestly am not joking. It takes me 15 to 20 minutes to get to my gate because I know exactly what I'm doing when I get there. I'm just going straight to security with my TSA um, boarding pass. I don't have to take my laptop out. I don't have to take anything off. I go straight through. Good to go. Um, Global entry also helps a new travel abroad. So I mentioned this on my last podcast too, but just a refresher. Um, global entry is essentially like TSA pre-check, but going abroad. So when you come back into the United States, you can basically cut the customs line. You have a special line you go in, and then this will help expedite not only the process to get through the line, but if you have a connecting flight, it's super helpful. Um, I actually just had a friend visit... Um, Excuse me. No, her friend was visiting her and they missed the connecting flight because customs was so long. And I was thinking, oh, my gosh, if they had global entry, they could have gone right through. So that's actually why I got it is same issue. I almost missed a flight connecting flight coming home from London. And I don't even know how long I would have had to wait had I not been that lucky to get on my flight. Um, So I would highly, highly recommend TSA and global entry if you can get them for packing we touched on this a little bit but i just got a new suitcase that i want to plug they did not pay me for this i just looked it up it was on my social media and it's the away luggages they are awesome they not only charge your phone they have other portals so you can um, plug your headphones in i believe you can take the battery pack out i actually just had to do that on a flight they didn't want the battery on there so you can just pop it out put it in your purse um the way that the the luggage opens up it's built out in compartments almost it has a laundry bag it has like a net that goes over one side so anything that's loose or will fall out like you know when i pack my jewelry and my makeup and the zipper might open or something like that i don't want that all over my clothes that's happened more than once to me trust me my shampoo has exploded or my bronzer broke and it's all over my clothes it actually has in a compartment like i said a net kind of thing where you just zip it up and then it won't even touch your clothes so it's 
really awesome. It also has a built-in lock. So I always would forget locks. It's like a joke now. I literally had to buy a lock every time I travel. And I don't know where I put them. It's like socks in the dryer. Like, where do they go? I have no idea where my travel locks go. This suitcase actually has a built-in lock. And so when I close it, it's right there. It's, like I said, just built in. And I picked my own code and just lock it up. And so I would highly recommend this for traveling. You can get um, a carry-on. They have a larger carry-on. They have a smaller carry-on. And it's actually TSA approved. So this is huge because you guys have seen at the airport where they have those little, like, I guess, I don't even know what to call it, baggage measurers, like a cage almost, that they make sure that your luggage fits in. And if it's even an inch over, they're 100% going to charge you. That's, again, how they make their money, especially the lower budget airlines like the Spirits or the Ryanairs or the EasyJets. If your wheels are even sticking out of those measuring um I really don't know what to call them, (laughs) measuring areas, they're going to charge you for that. So this away luggage is actually really nice because it's TSA approved, so you don't have to second guess. You can just go to the airport and know, I'm getting through, this is already approved. Um, And it's really durable. So when they're like, you know, they toss them on the airplane and toss them on the belt, nothing's going to really break it. If anything, it will bend. But um, it's so far, I love it. I would highly recommend it. The other thing with packing is thinking about what you truly need and could you probably fit it in a backpack or duffel because those are a lot easier to get through and um, when you're thinking about checking bags you want to think again is my bag going to count as a carry-on or am I going to have to check it I actually don't like checking bags anymore because I've had a few instances where either a the luggage gets lost for whatever reason I still don't even really understand how luggage gets lost like I thought you just put it on the airplane and then take it right off for whatever reason luggage does get lost I've had a few friends go on international trips where their luggage is gone and they just had to wait a few days to get it back or they never get it back so in my personal opinion I would rather not deal with that headache and I would rather just again have my carry-on or my duffel or my backpack and know that as soon as I get off the plane that that is coming with me I don't have to worry about borrowing clothes or buying something in for excuse me in foreign currency I can just have that peace of mind knowing that that luggage is coming off we off with the plane with me so just think about what can I put in a backpack or duffel um, that's probably your safest bet to make sure that you don't have to pay for extra baggage or again have it lost I also wanted to talk about um, how I get to places because I do travel a lot I am older now you know I am in a great career where I am able to travel a lot but I was doing this even before I was really set in my career and people were like I don't get how you travel so much Um, A, I make it a priority. So I don't splurge on clothes. I don't splurge on food. I don't know. Maybe that's a lie. I like to go to brunch. (laughs) But I'm really a low budget person when it comes to like everything else in my life. Um, Anyone that knows me is like, I I really don't like shopping. I don't like online shopping. If I am online shopping, it's it's for like beauty products on Amazon. Um, I would say the one thing I splurge on outside of travel is probably like makeup and skincare. But I really do make travel a priority because that is what's most important to me. So just like anyone else, if buying brand name stuff is important to you, then you're going to save up for that brand name belt or that brand name purse. 
to me, my priorities are a bit different. I want to travel. So I do make it a priority to save or say, you know what, I really want to go on that trip. So for the next few months, I'm going to cut back on going out or I'm not going to do any type of shopping except for what I need. So I think that's first and foremost. It sounds so obvious, but it really is true. You have to make it a priority in order to save for it. But what really helps is booking in pieces. People get overwhelmed with traveling because they they hear the name of the place or they've seen it on TV and it just looks so glamorous or too big of a trip. It's something they would never dream of. And they they just see a huge dollar sign attached to it. Oh my gosh, I could never I could never do that. That's just so expensive. I don't know how you do it. You book in pieces. So with Greece last year, that total trip, we did Mykonos, we did Santorini, we stayed in two really, really cool Airbnbs. We um we got a catamaran in Santorini, we were eating out. People probably thought that was a very, very expensive trip, but because we had booked in such a long time frame, we probably planned it six months ahead, um, and we had girls constantly doing research on, on how to get there. We booked it in different pieces, so it wasn't this huge financial burden. So what we first did was secure the Airbnb. So I would say first and foremost, you want to look at where you're staying and then the flight. Those are things that will 100% increase as time gets closer to it. Um, airlines are constantly, the way those prices fluctuate, you guys have seen that when you're booking a flight and you're like, okay, ready to book. And then you're like, well, let me wait a few days when I get paid. And now it's payday and the flight has gone up. The airplane, the airlines algorithms are purposely doing that because it sees what's in demand and what's not. So I'm sure for Oktoberfest in Germany, you know, as that time gets closer, it's starting to recognize, oh, all these people want to come, so we're going to raise our prices. However, if you book it way in advance, they're not thinking, oh, well, someone in, you know, January is thinking of Oktoberfest. It's only January. That's probably a good time to look. Um, I know it seems far out, but at least start doing your research and discovering where do we want to stay? Um, you know, is it right by the festival? Do we want to stay downtown? Do we want to stay on the outskirts or away from all the chaos? You definitely want to start looking at that stuff before. But I would say, again, the air, the flight and the hotel or Airbnb or wherever you're staying or what you want to get in place first. And especially if there's a festival, I imagine things like Oktoberfest and running with the bulls. I can tell you a story about that in a second. Those book out really, really quick. So get that in place first. And what's nice is if you're going with a group, what we did was have one girl put it on her credit card because then we had a month to pay her back because her credit card bill wasn't due until the next month. And then it helped us all um, look at our paychecks and say, okay, yeah, I can pay half now and then half at the end of the month when your credit card is due. And that's what we kept doing for everything. So it was first the Airbnb, then we booked the catamaran, then we got some concert tickets. So it's not like we were blowing our paychecks every single time on these huge purchases. It was, again, just booking in pieces. So another thing I'd recommend too with the flights is 100% creating flight alerts. Um, it will show you when prices drop so you can make that judgment call. And if you're going with a group, alert them. Hey guys, I just saw that this flight went down. We should probably book now. You know, I'll put it on my credit card, send me money, Venmo me, whatever you guys do to work it out. Um, there's actually an app called Splitwise, I believe it is, where it um, does like it helps with group travel and group plans because it will split the money up based on paycheck 
paychecks and like who got what versus everyone just having to split the cost evenly. So just a quick tip on an app there. But that's how I get places. I plan ahead. I look at the airline first, where I'm staying. Um, and again, I'm not super picky with where I stay. I I talked about this last time. I think my mom gets concerned. Um, I'll tell you guys a story. We went to Havea, Spain, and it's a really, really small beach town. And we were thinking, I mean, no one's going to be here. It's it's an isolated beach town in Spain. I mean, you probably haven't even heard of it when I'm saying it out loud. So we're thinking we'll just walk into any hotel and, and we'll be fine. We only had like eight people. That's a few rooms. Some reason, every single hotel motel, breakfast, bed and breakfast, anything like that was booked. We finally found this boutique hotel and we had to lie and say that we only had four people when we actually had eight. And we were just thinking, whatever, we'll push the beds together and we'll squeeze. It'll be fine. You know, someone might have to sleep on the couch, but whatever. It's only a few nights. Um, first of all, the beds, I think, were twin beds. And so we actually had to buy pool floaties, the ones that use the full body floaties, um, floats, and sleep on those. That's that's what we had to do. So I have slept in not only those conditions, I've slept on a towel in a closet. I mean, I, you, I'm like a slumdog millionaire. I mean, I don't know what I was thinking doing all this stuff. Um, but we, we were young and broke and we had to make it work. So when I'm giving you these tips, um, again, I want to caveat that I'm not like looking at five star luxury hotels everywhere I'm going and first class airlines. I like to keep my money low there so that when I'm actually in the city, I can blow it on again, nice food or tours or a really nice cocktail, whatever the case is. That's what I like to spend my money on. But again, everyone's different. I get it. Some people want the comfort of first class and champagne and mimosas in the morning and then a nice warm bed and bubble bath at night. That's your preference. A hundred percent do it. Um, I'm just, again, speaking from my own personal experience that um, sometimes I don't worry too much about where I'm staying because I've essentially stayed on the floor before. Um, but again, hopefully never again, I have to do that. But yeah, I always, um, I always just look at airlines and lodging first. And then I think the last thing I want to touch on is really diving into the culture. I had a huge culture shock when I was in Spain, um, obviously not only because of the language barrier, everyone's speaking Spanish, but everything's different. Just like when you come to America, you start to notice things when you're abroad and then you come back, how different culture is. You really have to adapt and embrace it because that's not only are you going to get the true experience of the area, but you're going to appreciate it much more. And you're really going to love coming back home and saying, oh, my gosh, I really appreciate my culture, too. And now I see why people love coming here. Just like if someone comes here, you would want them to adapt to our culture. Same thing when you go abroad. Um, and the reason I bring this up is because I've been in places where I've felt uncomfortable and I've taken it personally. Be, and I'm like, wow, they, they must hate me or they hate Americans or they hate blonde girls. Of course, like projecting whatever insecurities I have about being in that country. When in reality, that's just the nature of that culture. So for example, Americans are known for being very enthusiastic. I mean, 
hello, I'm, I'm talking to a, a phone by myself. That's crazy. And I met in other cultures, they're like, what is this chick doing just having a podcast where she just talks? Um, that's kind of crazy. Americans are known for having that extra enthusiasm. Think about when you go to a grocery store. Hey, how are you? How's your day going? Bagging groceries, da-da-da, chit-chat, chit-chat, elevators, everyone's talking. Everyone's always small talking. That's a very American thing. You know, people are always want to feel welcomed and uh, at least the places I've been and lived, but that's not everywhere you go. And don't take it personally. I would say there's a lot of cultures that it's weird to ask, how are you? They don't know you. My friend is um, married actually to a guy from Denmark and she's lived there for a few years. And she says that too, when you go to the grocery store, no one asks how you are. And if someone, if she were to ask that to like the register or cashier or anyone, they would look at her crazy like why is this girl asking who i am i i don't even know her like how how could she ask me that i'm a stranger but that's something you adapt to again she didn't take it personally she started realizing oh that's that's just not the culture here um same thing with like eating out at different places i went to um england like i said and i'm used to america where you have a server running over to you Getting, putting water down as soon as you sit down at the table, getting your apps in, constantly checking on you four times. And that's because American culture is to flip as many tables in the restaurant as possible so that waiter can get max amount of tips. But guess what? In America, waiters live off of tips. So that's why they are really rushed. I mean, think about how often you scarf down food and then you run out, go to a new bar or next place. That's how the culture is here. In different countries, they don't always work for tips. They actually have minimum wages set in place, or that is their salary. So they're not working for tips, so they don't really care about turning around the table. Not only that, but they're not there to check on you 24-7. So if you want a new glass of water or another beer, you have to flag them down or you know order up front and say, hey, I want three beers because I know I'm going to be here for a while. And that's just the culture. Again, I, th- I took that really personally when I was in Spain. I was like, wow, they really like don't care about service here or wow I, I can't believe this waiter doesn't want a big tip tipping is not even required in a lot of countries so to me i had to learn that too i was like wow i feel so bad i i want to tip this waiter and they're like it's it's actually like frowned upon because they have salaries and and wages in place so you don't have to worry about that um but also just the service element i realized oh wow i have to go up to them um and ask for my order and if i need something i'm gonna have to go get it myself so you just have to pay attention to those nuances. I would say the biggest for me was like the eating out stuff. Um, like in London, you when you go to a pub, there's not a waiter or waitress coming up to your table. Like you go up to the person, you order, you sit at your table, they'll come find you or you get your beer right there. There's no one rushing to get you your new tall pint. So you just want to, again, just keep um, your eye out for d- different things like that. But also asking directions um you know try to find someone that works at either like a local tourist center or like i said wherever you're staying that is the hospitality industry so they are going to be a lot more helpful versus if you go to you know the local german coffee shop where the owner is german and lived there for 20 years they're probably not going to be as open to helping you just because they're not used to that. And again, it's nothing personal. They're just not used to someone coming in their, you know, little coffee shop down the alleyway asking for directions to a main monument. It's just not in their normal day to day. So adapting the culture is important. 
If you can learn a few words wherever you're going, do that. I would, you know, always suggest like, please and thank you learning that, um, you know, where's the bathroom is probably one, how, um, how to say hello and goodbye. Those are all great ways to enhance your experience when you're abroad and reading up on the cultures too. I like to do that before just to get a feel of what I'm getting myself into because, um, and like I said, I have been to a few countries where I was like taken aback a little bit just because I didn't know how to react because I had never been in that situation. But now that I've done this so much and have taken my time to read up on the cultures before I go, I'm a little less shocked and I know not to take it personally because, again, just like when someone comes here, they might be like, wow, these Americans are really enthusiastic and we want them to appreciate that. So that would be my final tip on this part two of travel tips if you guys have any other questions or things you want me to cover i am more than happy to do that you can find me on instagram at chelsea rife my last name is r i f f as in french fries e or on twitter chelsizzle um it's my old screen name so don't make fun of me i still love it it's chelsea and then sizzle all one word. Um, and then, of course, you can find me on Facebook, DM me. Um, I, I'm always checking my social media, and I'm happy to hear about any other topics you want me to cover, whether that's travel or really anything else. But um, like I said, I got a great response to this podcast and wanted to do a follow-up one. So hopefully you guys enjoyed this. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. And I'll link a lot of these different sites in the show notes, too, like The Lonely Planet and Contiki and Stoke Travel, so you guys can check that out on your own time and hopefully start planning for some some fun spring and summer trips. All right. I hope you guys enjoyed and have a great week. Bye.